You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I am loaded up on cold medicine right now. I don't even know what planet I'm on, so if I sound like I'm in outer space today, guys, that's because I am. But fortunately, I have my man Curtis here back with me today to kind of help keep this thing on the rails. I'm not feeling great, but I'm going to give it my best shot. You guys know how I roll. There are no off weeks when it comes to Georgia football and the Glory UGA podcast, so no matter how I'm feeling, I'm going to be here, so I'm here. I'm going to give it everything I got, and hopefully I just don't make too much of a fool of myself. It's inevitable that I will make a fool of myself to some degree today, but hopefully not too much. But today on the show, I'm actually pretty excited about this episode. We're going to do something that we don't do a ton of on this podcast. We've been running this thing for eight years. I think it's going to the eighth year, right? So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. This is our eighth year. Sorry about that. I told you guys, not all there today, but we've done this show a long time, and In those eight years, we haven't done a ton of rankings. Maybe we should do more of them. I know that they're getting pretty popular out there. I see a lot on social media, people putting things out there, ranking this, ranking that, and they get a lot of discussion. So maybe we should do more of this. But today, we are giving you our rankings of the 10 best players on the 2022 Georgia football roster entering the coming season. And yes, you heard that correctly, rankings, plural, That is a little bit of a departure for us. Again, we haven't done many rankings through the years on this show, but when we've done any sort of list or rankings in the past, we've always given you the combined glory UGA list. That's kind of how we approached it, where we would both do our individual rankings and then assign a point value to each slot and put together a joint list. Even though when we did that, we had our fair share of disagreements But today, we want to hash out those disagreements on air for you guys to hear. We figured that would be more fun. We figured that would spice things up a little bit. So we're going to give you our respective list, and then we will take a look at the similarities and, of course, debate the differences. Before we get there, though, I do just want to quickly remind you guys out there that this podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. They are still running their countdown to kickoff promotion throughout the entire month of August, leading into kickoff on September 3rd against the Oregon Ducks, where they are giving listeners 
of the Glory UGA podcast, an exclusive deal where you can just simply use the promo code GLORYUGA online or in stores and you will get 15% off your entire purchase. So go ahead, gear up now, get your game day gear. I just picked up a killer new Johnny O game day polo. It's going to be my home polo. It's black, heather-ish, like black and white striped. I'm really excited about it. I love Johnny O. I'm going to match that with my red pants. So I'm pumped about that. And you can get your game day gear now at Alumni Hall online or in stores. Again, promo code GLORYUGA, no spaces. But all right, Curtis, we got a lot of players to talk about today. And we're going to have a lot of fun with this. So let's go ahead and dive right in, man. I'm going to give you honors off the tee box. Give us your list, starting with number 10, making your way all the way up to number one. Okay, number 10, I started with Chris Smith. You know, realistically, he's not the most talented player, but I think of his role and how he fits into the system and how he plays in that role is what makes him, is why I put him in that position. Because ever since he's taken over that position, realistically, since Richard LeCount went down about, you know, almost a year and a half ago, he's been a mainstay and he's actually, you know, been a pleasant surprise the way he's handled that position. Yeah, he's been a rock for us there for sure. When he's been healthy, for sure. All right, coming in number nine, I have Kiaris Jackson. Um, You know, he hasn't always put up the production consistently, but, you know, especially last year, dealing with those injuries, he never really – it was hard for him to get back into the fo- the fold with everything. But I think realistically going into the season, I have – in my opinion, he is our second-best receiver, not including tight ends. Interesting. We'll get to that a little bit later on. All right, so you got Chris Smith at 10, Kiersh Jackson at 9. Who you got coming in number 8? Number 8, I have Rick Gilbert. Um, honestly, I kind of want to put him higher, but I know he had a good spring game, but it's hard to put him any higher right now after missing an entire year. Um, so, and I mean, everyone knows all about him, the athleticism, you know, Gatorade player of the year as a, a tight end, which, you know, very uncommon. Um, but I, I think eight is a good spot in my opinion, just because we still have a lot to see from him. All right, Curtis, before we move on, you and I, since we're about to head into the 2022 season here, we have got to come to a consensus on how to pronounce this name. All right. How did you pronounce it? I did a Rick, but I it's like I, I saw something before that like even his mom and what he yeah. tells people to call him is different. I've heard it like three different ways. I've heard Eric, which is what I heard a lot when he was coming out of high school, but that seemed that's not correct. I've heard a Rick, like you said, I've heard a Reek. Kirby, when he's at his press conference, calls him a Reek. So I don't know. Are you going with or how did you pronounce it? A Rick, but I, I a Rick, I can a I can easily do it. It's just it's so hard to actually pinpoint what it is because there's just no consistency across the board. Yeah, so here's what I'm gonna do. I think they have the pronunciation guide on. They used to. I know they've updated the roster. I don't know if they're actually gonna have any, but they used to have it where you could click the button and it would like pronounce the name for you. Oh yeah, they have had that. They have had that in the past. I don't know. See, they've changed this, and I don't even know. No, this looks totally different. I don't think they're going to have it anymore. So now they're making it even harder on people like you and me. Um, yeah, I do not see it. I do not see a pronunciation. So I'm going to go Eric because that's how Kirby's been pronouncing. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. And I could be wrong with. It. I, I mean, I, I mean, I just I want to say the guy's name right. I, I feel like an idiot that I can't get his name right. I've just heard it so many different ways. I've never heard directly from him. I've heard his own teammates say it differently. I've heard different coaches say it differently. But Kirby, most recently, has been calling him a reek. So 
I guess we'll go with that until we hear differently. And if someone out there is an expert on this and knows for sure, let us know. I need to ask somebody around the program. That's that. That's kind of a weird thing to ask, but I guess I'm going to have to like bite the bullet on that one and just get it straight from the horse's mouth somewhere somewhere around Buttsmere. But all right, so you've got him at number eight. Who you got coming in at number seven? Um, Number seven, I have Broderick Jones. Now, very similar to Arik, he is someone that could easily shoot up this list, but I still, you know, we – realistically I've only seen him for maybe what three quarters of truly meaningful snaps, but I was still impressed with the way the offensive line changed. And I think a lot of that had to do with the guard play in that game, but overall he did like, we didn't miss a beat with him at the left tackle position when he stepped in there, the national championship game. And I think this guy has all the athletic skills, you know, athletic tools to be, I, I think he could actually be a first round pick come into the season. I certainly think he has that potential. I thought you're right. I thought he played very, very well in spot duty for Jamari Salyer at left tackle. He came in the national championship game and played really well in that game. He came in the Auburn game. I was just rewatching that for like the 19th time this past weekend. And every time I come in, every time I watch that, that game and see him come in in a pretty big moment there, I feel like he did a very good job in a very hostile environment early in his career. So I thought he was very, very good for us in a small sample size, but still, it's a sample size we have to work off of. I thought he was very, very impressive. All right, cool. I like that one. Uh, who you got coming at number six? On number six, I'm going with A.D. Mitchell. Um, I actually, you know, I think you can make an argument for him to potentially be a little bit higher. But, you know, everyone looks back to that national championship game. But, you know, there was a, a stretch during the season where he was good for at least one drop a game. So I think he has all the athletic tools and the strength and the size to be a, an elite receiver. Um, if he can just continue to build on the end of the season and be more consistent and not have that one drop, but just almost be like George Pickens, who may, be, may have had like, I don't know if he even had more than one drop in his entire career. If not, if he he went through like his first couple, two and a half years or so without a drop, something like something crazy it, like that. Yeah, and so if A.D. Mitchell can do something like that, I mean, realistically, the guy could have easily been number three or four on the list. Yeah, I don't know if it was a, a drop a game, but it was, there were certainly too many drops in his freshman year, for sure, for sure. Well, I, I there there was there was a stretch where he was. It yeah. wasn't every single game, but there was you know a three or four week stretch where he kind of you could he was good for at least one drop. It felt like yeah, yeah. Early in the season when he was kind of getting his feet wet, there there were some issues with that for sure. I don't know, maybe the speed of the game was too fast for him, the nerves. I don't know, but I think he kind of settled in late in the season. But I certainly see where you're coming from there. All right, who you got at number five, halfway mark. At- at number five, I have Kenny Mack, um, Kenny McIntosh, and I think the biggest um, – the reason, you know, of course there's going to be someone higher, but I think of the running backs and the wide receivers, he's definitely going to be the highest of the group right now – or of the group right now. Um, you know, it's been – he does, hasn't had the opportunities the last couple of years with Zeus and James Cook, but I can easily see him. I mean, you everyone has seen him in the return game, how explosive he is. I mean, uh, two years ago when he went out, and I think the Alabama game, our return game was not the same because he was very explosive um, in the kick return game. So the guy, he just he has that natural explosion, and I think the more targets and more opportunities he gets, I think he could return us back to – I think he – you know, we haven't had one in a couple of years. I think he could potentially get us back to the 1,000-yard rusher if we run the ball that much. I don't know if we will, but if we yeah, I think he has the – yeah, if we feature a guy, um, I think he has all the tools to do it. Do you like him as a as the top returner, as a kick returner? I do, but I know with him being now either one one A or one B, realistically, yeah. as the running back position is very dangerous. Um, especially yeah. when we have 
I know Dejan Edwards has come on strong, but when you're, you have two young guys that are freshmen and the pass blocking is huge, especially in big games, it's it's a little um, – I think that's an opportunity to get maybe someone like Andrew Paul or other guys those touches like we were with Kenny Mack when he was younger and a little bit more disposable. Yeah, we don't talk enough special teams on this show. That's one thing that I always get frustrated with. We just never talk enough of it. But I do want to bring that up here. I, I do think Kenny McIntosh is our – best kick return that I've seen that of the options that we've seen out there. I think he's been very, very dynamic in that role when he's had opportunities, right? He's banged up a little bit. The Alabama game back in 2020 was banged up at times last year, kind of got him out of the, out of the equation there for a little bit, but I think he's a dynamic kick return when given the opportunity, but you're right. When he's going to be one of our top two guys running back coming this season, it's tougher to pull the trigger and have him return kicks. There were that, high velocity impact. I know they, you know, they've changed the rules where they don't have as many, there's not as many opportunities to actually return kicks, but you know, you got to even go, you have to give him a long look. I know Kiaris will get a look there. I'm sure lad will get a cook. We'll get a look. I'm sure, I think lads more of a punt returner than anything, but we have some, options. I agree Maybe with Aaron Smith, but I think Aaron Smith, like as fast as he is, he's so small, man. And he's so injury prone. I just don't know. I think Kenny Mack's a great option there. I just, I'm curious to see how our coaches approach that because then they, they give a lot, of, a lot of lip service. You know, we put starters on special teams, right? Well, I guess this might be the ultimate test to see if you are going to put a potential starter at running back on the special teams returning kicks. We'll see there. All right, number four. This is, I think you and I actually had the exact same top four, like in the exact same order, I think. So who you got number four? Uh, number four, I have Keely Ringo. Um, I still think he needs to grow some more, especially as being the guy at the cornerback position. You know, Darion Kendrick last year kind of was like, was the guy, um, you know, more of the number one guy where Ringo was number two, where he was given the opportunity to grow. But I think towards the end of the season, he was making some great plays. Um, and I think that, I mean, everyone knows all his athletic tools, his strength, if he can keep his weight down, his size, you know, everything about him screams first round pick. Um, so I, I think that four is a good spot for him because I still think he can go higher. Yeah, you and I are on the same page with him. I think he has first-round draft pick-type talent. I mean, I said a couple years ago, what class was he now? Twenty The 2020 class? Is that right? Yeah, yeah 2020 right? class. Yeah. 2020 class, mm-hmm. right? So I, when he came out, I, I, I thought he had a chance to be the best overall player in that class. He hasn't been that yet, but – the story is not complete. That book has not been completely written yet. That ending is still to be written. And I think he has a chance to still rise to those heights at the very least be a first round draft pick. I think he certainly has that potential. You're right. He did have to come. He came on late last season. There were some growing pains as to be explained. He was basically a freshman guys. I know technically he was a redshirt freshman, but he dealt with a shoulder injury his entire like true freshman year and really did not get any reps until very, very, very late in the season, like bowl practice type time. So he was almost, I mean, he was here in meetings, which is something, but in terms of getting actual reps at practice, that didn't really happen until going into last season. So it's natural for him to have to make that progression, getting out there for the very first time. And that's what excited me about Keeley is I think he did make that progression, did improve, and I'm very excited to see what kind of steps he can take this year. All right, so let's get inside the top three. Who you got number three? Oh, number three, I go Nolan Smith. I think um, really it came down to between him and Keely Ringo for this number three spot because I think most people can guess one and two. Um, and the only reason I went with him is I think he's a little bit more experienced. Um, I think if, from what I've seen, it looks like he's put on some good weight too to make that little difference. I think at times he's had a you know he was always strong, but it felt like he was wasn't holding up as consistent his first few years. He really came on the scene strong last year. Was great in stopping the run. Uh, I think if he can take the next step as a pass rusher, then I think he's, you know, another one of the 
another great outside linebacker to come out of this system. Yeah, for him to take that next step as a pass rusher, he's not a – he needs to improve his pass rush move repertoire. He needs to add more to his game there. And yeah, it's almost, like, convert, it's almost you know, like he, his his replays of him where he's making plays is almost bull rushing. And I, and I think that's yeah. where he needs to I, – I agree. Like That's what made Aziz so good when you think about it. Aziz had all these great moves. And I think if Nolan could improve on that area, he would make a huge jump. Yeah, I think he just needs to he needs to sharpen his game there, and that's fine. He's still, I mean, he's still young. I mean, I know he's been here for a couple of years, but he's still a college player. But I would like to see him add more to that that pass rush game, be able to convert run to pass more effectively. But you're right, he was so underrated for us against the run last year, and I was always so impressed with Nolan because Nolan's not a big guy. When I see him around Athens, when I see him downtown, I mean, he's he's a college football player. So he's a big guy. He's bigger than me, bigger than your average person. But compared to other college football players. He's not a huge dude. He's really not. It's actually kind of striking how slim he is. So for him to be able to hold up and set the edge as well as he does, and he does it with such great technique. He really uses his arms, leverages his arms well, plays with really good leverages under the pad level. The offensive lineman is really, really sound from a technical standpoint. And he plays really, really hard. You can't discount that. That guy wants to do well, and he just puts it on the line out there. So I loved what I saw from him as a run stopper, as an edge setter last year but I do want to see him take that next step as a pass rusher. I think one thing that really helped him is to get more opportunities to do that. Honestly, we didn't use – the plan coming to last year was not to utilize him in that role. It was going to be Adam Anderson, obviously, and then we know what happened there. And the inside linebackers, which we've detailed in the offseason with our scouting enemies, with our um, scheme theme stuff. And then Robert Beal was going to be that guy that came in third downs and got all those opportunities. And Robert Beal didn't get all – like when Adam Anderson went out, Robert Beal got more opportunities, and so did Channing Tindall coming off the edge, rushing the passer – and Nolan just kind of was there more often not setting the edge. But not to say he didn't get chances to rush the passer. He did, but just not as many. That wasn't what he was featured in, to do in the in that in that defense last year. So maybe with guys like Adam Anderson gone, some of the inside linebackers gone that we used a lot to rush the passer last year, maybe he does get more opportunities and we see an increase in the in the sack numbers for Nolan this year, which could really help him move up the draft charts as well. All right, so Curtis, I, I'm going to take a guess here. We got, in some order, we got Jalen Carter and Brock Bowers as your top two, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So, who came in one? Who came in two? Number one is Jalen Carter. Uh, number two is Brock. I, I mean, I know you could go either way, but I just think Jalen Carter is just—he's a different animal. Um, you know, he's just so different when you watch everything he does out there. But can you say something about Bowers? I, I just want to. Yeah, wanna, you can. I, I, have the same I, I think thing you. I'm going to spoil you here. I have the same thing. I kind of agonized a little bit over this because Bowers was such a monster as a true freshman last year, and he was. I, I think Jalen Carter, when he wants to be, is unstoppable. Like you cannot, you cannot block that man one on one when he does not want to be blocked. I, I, I fully believe that. Rob Bowers, though, when he does, like when he doesn't want to be covered one on one, which I think is every time. I don't think anyone can really truly cover Brock one-on-one consistently, right? So how did you – what was the differentiating factor here between those two? I know the different sides of the ball, but what, what the, gave Carter the edge? I think that gives Jalen Carter the edge just how – he blows everything up. And that, I think that's the thing is, like, I know he people always forget about him, especially last year, Jordan Davis and things. But, you know, the people that paid attention always said the guy who's probably the best player on the defense – wasn't even the starter, and it was always Jalen Carter because when he had his opportunities, the guy was just there. He was blowing up the run. He was blowing up in the passing game. It just doesn't matter of what part of the game you're looking at. He's going to make an impact. And I think Brock, while he improved in his run blocking, I think that he still has to you know, improve as a, as a blocker 
and become more well-rounded where I think Jalen Carter in all aspects of the game is just, he's trouble. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Carter is the definition of a game wrecker, like a game plan. Yeah, wrecker, and, and it's just, he's just so rounded because, you know, like Jordan Davis, a lot of it, you know, he was great in stopping the run. He's a, he's pretty good in the pass rush, but it was really stopping the run with his bread and butter. But Jalen Carter can do it all. He's unbelievable. There's a play again watching the Auburn game again for the 19th time last, last Saturday or a couple days ago now. My mind's all over the place. But yeah, Jalen Carter's a play in the second half in that game, maybe the fourth quarter. But the second half of that game where Bo Nix is doing what he does, does the oop-de-oop, running around, doing whatever. And Jalen Carter is shot out of a cannon and, and literally chases Bo. Like, Bo Nix is running as fast as he can. Jalen Carter's running as fast as he can. And Jalen Carter essentially catches him. And Nix gets rid of the ball just in the nick of time before Carter can get there and bring him down. Curtis, defensive linemen, 300-pound defensive tackles aren't supposed to move like that. I mean, because Bo Nix, Curtis, I think is one of the – I mean, he's one of the best quarterback athletes in the country. I mean, say what you want about his production, which is terrible – but in terms of like athletic ability, that guy can move. I mean, what, like he runs at least a four or five, if not a four or four, right? I, I, I would not shock me. I mean, he's not Trayvon Walker athleticism, but when he's out there running the 40, people are going to be shocked. Yeah, I mean, I think Bo Nix runs at least a four or five, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was step for step with Bo Nix. So I, when he gets out there, I will not be shocked if he runs in the four or four range. I don't think he's quite as fast as Trayvon, but he ain't that far off, man. I, I think he's going to test off the charts just like Walker did last year. And I mean, he'll already be high up on the boards, but he might move up even higher because he's just going to test off the freaking chart. So here's what I would say, because this we're splitting hairs here, Curtis. If someone wanted to put Brock Bowers number one, I really wouldn't argue with him that much, you know? Yeah, but, I really, I couldn't argue with you uh, if you had Brock Bowers number one. Um, I, you know, really when I was talking about Jalen Carter being more well-rounded, that's almost just like nitpicking, you know, because it, it, that is such a fine line of between, I mean, everyone Everyone else you can argue, but these guys, it's 1A and 1B realistically. Like, they're the ones that can go either way. Yeah, for sure. I think, for me, it's my final word on Bowers and Carter. I would say Brock Bowers is an extraordinarily rare athlete, right? What he can do with the athleticism, the size, and also his skill set, his ability to, to high point the ball, to bring the ball. I mean, the guy is just an incredible athlete, an incredible football player. That combination, you see a lot of great athletes that aren't great football players. You see a lot of really great football players that aren't great athletes. This dude is both of those in the same package, and he's big, strong, physical. He plays hard. He's a very, very rare college football player. But saying that, I think a guy like Jalen Carter, as big as he is, that moves the way that he does and is as skilled as he is, as versatile as he is on the defensive line, is even more rare. Is that is that does that make sense, Coach? Is that fair? I think that is fair because I mean, you know, Brock Bowers to me is still the best tight end in the nation, but. Jalen Carter is he he's a he's so rare for like Trevon yeah. Walker, just rare. Yeah, I I think the term once in a generation is overused. So I'm not gonna use that here because like there's yeah, a lot because, of Yeah, because yeah, because I, I agree. And I think just just calling it what it is, he's just rare. It's a rare, rare yeah, animal. They're rare. Yeah. Yeah. And they're you, both very rare athletes and rare yeah. football players. I think Carter's just maybe it's harder to find guys that big that move like that than it is to find a really athletic tight end this this day and age. That's I so agree. that's why I would go with Carter for me personally. All right, so when we get back from the break here, I'm going to give you my list, and then Curtis and I will kind of hash out some of our differences. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Curtis, we're back here. I'm going to run through my list. I'm going to go through mine just kind of. Kind of rapid fire. I'm not necessarily going to give an explanation for each one because you did such a great job with that. And we'll kind of hash out some of the differences here. There, there honestly weren't a ton of differences. Number one through four, I, I'm pretty sure. You, Who do you have? Jalen Carter, Brock Bowers, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, right? Yeah, those are my first four. Yeah, that's the exact order of my first four, right? Make sure I'm reading that correctly. Yep, that's the exact order of my first four. So we're in agreement there, but lower down the list, we got some disagreements. So I'll start at the bottom and work my way up. I've got number 10. I've got Kiaris Jackson, who is also on your list, number nine for you, right? But I got him coming at number 10. Now, here's the first difference. We'll talk about this a little bit later, Curtis. I'm just going to run through this, and we'll talk about him. Number nine, I've got Lad McConkey. I know that's a Ooh. little controversial. Some of you might not agree with that, and that's okay. That's what these lists are for. Uh, number eight, I have Darnell Washington, another one that you and I have a little bit different there. We'll have to hash that one out. Number seven, I've got A.D. Mitchell, was close to you. I think you had him at number six. I got Kenny McIntosh at number six myself. You had him at number five. Um, here's another one. This might be our biggest difference, Curtis. So you had Broderick Jones at number seven. I have Warren McClendon at number five on my list. We'll, we'll definitely have to hash that one out. And then, yes, one through four, Keely Ringo, number four, Nolan Smith, number three, Brock Bowers, number two, and Jalen Carter, number one. Now, before we hash this out, I just want to emphasize here that the way I approach this, because I don't, I think you approach it this way, but the way I approached it is that this is a list of the, my top 10 best Georgia football players coming into the 2022 season. So when I put together this list, I put far more emphasis on what I have seen from players already in the past and more so on what they've done to this point than I did on projecting what they will do this year. And some of you probably disagree with that approach, and that's totally cool. That's just kind of how I approach it. So I relied more on what I know than what I think I know, more on what has been true than what could be true for guys this year. That's why there are no freshmen on my list, because I think there's some really talented true freshmen that, like, if you look three four years down the road, are probably going to be better players than some of the guys I have on this list, but we haven't seen that yet. We don't know at the college level, so I didn't feel comfortable putting them on my list. So, yeah, I mean, just th- this is not a list of the 10 most talented or 10 highest ceilings. This is a list of who I think are the 10 best players based off what I've seen in the past. And when we, look – I will readily admit, if we did the same exercise at the end of the year, you know, our list would probably look different, right, Kurt? Oh, without a doubt. 
Yeah, 100%. So I just want to put that out there because I know a lot of you are probably going to bash us like, oh my God, how'd you leave this guy off? How'd you leave this guy? I, I, I understand. Like Pop Demos Johnson, I understand. He's going to be a great player for us. Maybe you're probably saying he should be on the top 10 list. And he might very well be at the end of the year. I'm very open to that. I just haven't seen it from him yet. So I can't in good conscience put him on this list. I just want to put that out there. I'll get off my soapbox here. just want to make sure everyone kind of understands where we were coming from here. So Kurt, I want to get to... The differences here. We agreed on the first four in exact order, but let's hammer these differences out. So I think the biggest difference here has to be me having War McClendon at number five and you having Broderick Jones on your list at number seven and not having McClendon at all. I considered having Broderick Jones on my list because we did see some from him. You made a really good argument there, Curtis, earlier. I want to hear a little bit more from you. I strongly considered him, but I went with War McClendon. Now, here's my rationale for War McClendon, Curtis. Warren McClendon is going into essentially his third year as a starter at right tackle. I think Broderick Jones, I would agree with you in saying that Broderick Jones has a higher long-term ceiling. He's going to be a higher draft pick in the NFL draft. I feel pretty confident saying that. I, I truly do believe that. But I'm also in this situation, if I'm basing this off what I've seen the past couple of years, Curtis, Warren McClendon has started the past two years. Broderick Jones has not. So, I mean, he plays tackle. I know he's playing left tackle, but he could have played right tackle as well. So War McClendon started over Broderick Jones the last two years. So that's why I had a tough time, based off what we've seen in the past, coming into this year, putting Broderick Jones over War McClendon. So tell me I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. You know, looking at your reasoning, I get it. So you went with kind of what you've seen from them, Mm -hmm. where I went come game one, this is how I think walking on the field, who's going to be better between the two of them. Okay. And so that is why I went with Broderick Jones, because I think while Warren McClendon has been a mainstay realistically since that Arkansas game two years ago, I still think come game one that Broderick Jones is going to be the better player of the two. And I think the biggest reason I go is that I I just think that all the tools Broderick has in the fact that now he finally has this experience, he's even got, you know, the big time game experience we talked about from the national championship. He's gotten all those things that, while he doesn't have the two years that Warren McClendon has, I still think he has enough that has ma- taken him from that raw at that raw player who had all the tools, but didn't really, you know, wasn't fine tuned and all those things. I think he's more set there to step in and be a difference maker at that left tackle position, especially when that's where all the attention is. Cause I think he has the speed to go with anyone who's going to try a speed rush. I think he's gotten a lot stronger and can stop people that are trying to bull rush him. And I, so and I think it, realistically it's going to be hard hard to get by the kid you know it'll happen um but i just believe that everything that he has now and i think he's going to come together and be more of a full package which um is why i think that coming into it with this full package view i think that if you're comparing the two i think right now um i know warren eric's or warren mcclendon has the experience and i still think he's a good player don't get me wrong i'm not saying he doesn't have all these tools um, but I just think that Roger Jones is the better player between the two coming into this year. Yeah, here's I I don't disagree with what you said, Curtis. I, I I'm with you. I think there's a very good chance that early, even early in this year he will prove to be the better player. But I just haven't seen it yet. So it's kind of like I like I'm going off past performance more than ceiling right now. And I, I do agree that Roger Jones very well could be a better player. I think he'll be a higher NFL draft pick. All those things I said before. I just I, I keep falling back on it. it's like well if he was a better player the past two years he would have played over Warren McClendon he had yeah and, 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 and I, younger and, 
Yeah, and when I when you talk about that being your mindset and the, the train of thought, I, I can't argue with any of that, honestly. And like if going with that train of thought, I, I could have actually, I probably would have gone with Warren McClendon on my list instead of Roger Jones realistically, but I, I just went at it with a different uh, train of thought. Yeah, and I see where you're coming from, and that makes a lot of sense. But uh, I'm high on both these guys. And look, if you're right, if Broderick – and I'm very open to this. I think you actually are right. If Broderick is better than Warren this year, like like let's say we look at it like week three, week four, and like, wow, Broderick Jones is like the best lineman on the team, then that's a really good thing for Georgia, right? Like, that's really good for – because as you said, I mean, Warren McClendon is a really good football player. Like you don't start in the SEC for three years if unless you're a good football player. And no one really talks about him that way. I think he's kind of one of these undervalued guys in our roster. And I just think he's a really, really good, solid player. Maybe not the highest ceiling in the world. I understand that. But he has been nothing but rock solid for us on the right side there. And I, I think that's going to continue on this year. And if Broderick can surpass him, then, dude, that is freaking awesome. Let's go. All right, another difference that you and I had. So we both had Brock Bowers number two on our list. We agreed there. And we both also had another tight end at number eight on our respective list. But we differed in who that tight end is. You had Arik Gilbert at number eight. And I had Darnell Washington at number eight. Darnell was banged up last year. Arik did not play at all. It's well documented. We know that. So, Kerr, I'm, and, uh, I'm not, I don't, this is not me coming at you. I'm just really, I'm very curious. Why did Arik get the nod over Darnell on your list, even though he did not play a snap last year? My biggest thing is outside of blocking, where of course I feel like Darnell's just you know meant to be better. I mean, the kid's a lot bigger and stronger. Mm -hmm. But aside of that, what does he do better than Arik Gilbert? And the question is, it's hard for me to find anything. I think Gilbert runs better routes because the kid could honestly be a wide receiver. Um, so the routes I go with Gilbert. Um, hands, I go with Gilbert. I know Darnell has great hands, can make those big plays, but a lot of it, you know, he'll be a tool at the in the red zone potentially. I think that's something we need to make more a better use out of is him in the red zone or some of these plays. But explosiveness, you got to go with Gilbert. Like Gilbert is a lot like Bowers, and all those reasons we have Bowers as number two. Gilbert has all those same tools that I think it. You know, you could almost flip flop Gilbert and Bowers realistically because I don't know I'm you know I don't know speed wise and all those things but I think tool wise and everything they bring to the table are interchangeable and we already see that there's a stark contrast in the rankings between who you have and who I have in, in Bowers mm -hmm. and I think that if we're comparing them to Bowers and the tools he bring I think Gilbert is a closer player to what we a very closer more similar player to Bowers than what Washington is in his own right yeah, I definitely agree that Gilbert is closer to the type of player that Bowers is. I think that's a that's a very fair assessment. Well, and, and my thing is too coming into the season, like we, I, you know, Washington hurt lost most last year. You know, Gilbert's out, but you go back to the freshman. Gilbert was explosive. You know, he was making he was good plays LSU, the freshman yeah. in the SEC, and um, you know, a lot of LSU ended up being a train wreck at that year, especially when the quarterback play went down and all those things happened. Um, but right now. It's hard for me because I know Washington is a matchup nightmare. But if you go two tight ends with Gilbert and Bowers, I, I don't see that, that. To me, that is the best matchup nightmare you could have. Because Washington is the way Gilbert can stretch yeah. the field. I think is what makes him such a better. But for the twelve and thirteen, because Bowers really work, you have to like for those guys to be the matchup problem, they also have to be able to block effectively. And we, and I, I know you said like everything but blocking that Gilbert is better, but blocking is like half of what a tight end is supposed to do. Like that's a big part of that position. And Darnell is so head and shoulders above better than Gilbert at that, that 
I, I, I take that in the strongest direction. I know that's not sexy. I know it's not, you know, him scoring touchdowns, but that's a big part of that position, right? No, it is. And I, and I think especially Gilbert, you see that that's what they've been harping on him is blocking and you can't undervalue that enough. And I think that when it comes down to me, when you're comparing that as important as the blocking is, it's almost like, well, when you still lay everything out, it, does the blocking match up to the same level as what everything else is, as, you know, across the and, board? And, and that is fair. I did consider that because, like, you know, what do you put more emphasis on? Blocking from the time position or those guys making plays in the passing game? And that and that's a tough question. Like, But I think, really, for, for you to be the true, like, dual, I don't say dual threat tight end, but that hybrid type tight end where you're creating this batch of problems, you, got, you have to at least pose, like, somewhat of a blocking threat and Gilbert I have questions if like yeah Gilbert, Gilbert LSU, did, but I had questions he had, he about him doing that because he was basically playing wide receiver at LSU yeah, and he was struggling at times in the spring game you see that like that's what they're really working with him hard on um but I mean I think I could see Washington be there I just think that Gilbert re- I could see Gilbert becoming you know a very high round draft pick this year because of who he is as you know this new age tight end Oh, he definitely could. I mean, Gilbert's got first round draft pick potential. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I'm not arguing. That, I'm not mad at you for this pickers. Like, I I will admit, I went back and forth. At first, I had Gilbert, and I thought more about it, and I thought more about it, and then I moved Washington there. And the big part of that was, I go back to what I said earlier: the uncertainty of him coming off the year where he did not play at all. I mean, this is a guy that reported to camp, spring practice, or came back to the program at like 300 pounds, Curtis, and now he's gotten his weight down. So, props to him. That's awesome. But my question is, what version of Arik Gilbert are we going to see? Are we going to see a that version we saw as a freshman at LSU or maybe a better version of that? Or are we going to see a guy that's really rusty? And that's my question. That's that's kind of why I, I erred on the side of Washington. I know Washington was banged up last year. We didn't see the best version of him. I think we'll see that this year. But I know that we have an ace in the hole as a blocker at tight end. Like what he, he, he is elite at that. And I think if he's given opportunities in the passing game, he's shown that he can make those plays. It's just that we have Brock Bowers that got all those opportunities last year. But I mean, I don't know. It's I'm not like I said. I'm not mad at you. You make a very strong argument, and it's hard for me to disagree with that. I just I think there's a lot of uncertainty with Gilbert. Does that make sense? No, and I think that's fair. And I think also I kind of went at it too. With in my opinion, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding Washington. You know, his injuries last year, and then he misses all of spring practice. You know, and and I think we both saw the uncertainty, and it just we had our mindset, and you know, then we used like the uncertainty and who you know, kind of who we were going against. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. 
Okay, one last difference that we had that I want to talk about here. And this is not like a major difference, but I'm just curious here. So we both had Kiaris Jackson near the bottom of our list. You had him at number nine. I had him at number 10. So close there. But Lad McConkey, I had him coming in at number nine at wide receiver. While he did not make your list at all. And then you had Chris Smith at number 10, which he did not make my list. So I know we're completely splitting hairs here on this one. But make the case for Chris Smith over Lad McConkey on your top ten Georgia players. Right, so with me, it really came to um, how indispensable they were. Like when we're talking about receivers and DBs, Chris Smith is a mainstay at that safety position. Like our last show, we were literally talking about you know who's going to be the person opposite Chris Smith um, because you know mm-hmm. out barring injuries, he's penciled in at that starting position. Well, Lad McConkey, while I think he's good, an explosive player, has all these great tools. Um, and we expect him to be, you know, kind of with that first group of receivers. It could still go either way because you have Don Blaylock, you have Marcus Roseme, mm-hmm. St. J- Jack Saint, or however you say it. We have this uh, C.J. Smith, another young gun who I think, you know, is, is probably won't make Arian it. Smith. Arian Smith. Like, we have all these guys, and I think that is why I went with Chris Smith because he's the player that we have penciled in. And while we believe Ladd will be this guy, there's no guarantee that – where like with Chris Smith, his barring injury, he's not playing. Well, Lad McConkey, you you're not. There's no guarantee that that's the case because if Arian Smith comes on, and stays healthy, he could pass him up because he's he you know stretches the field in certain ways. And, and I think that's why I really came down to going with Chris Smith over say someone like Lad McConkey. You make a compelling argument. I mean, you're right. He is. I guess if you're talking about more valuable. For this team, I think you could make that argument. You know what I'm what I'm saying here? I think what you what yeah, you're saying is because if he goes down, right? if he goes down, you have two inexperienced, or it may be, you know, Dan Jackson. Yeah, Dan. But yeah. either way, like you're gonna be going with someone who's inexperienced with him going down. Um But we'll also I, say he he missed about half the season last year, Curse, and we were fine without him. Yeah. So uh, there's that. that but is true. I mean, it, it, this is a time. I don't know if we were fine. Here. We really, we really missed him when we needed him in a good team. We oh, missed him in the championship game, yeah. Because remember when, like, we were like, he's, he's clear, but is he going to play? And then Dan got yeah. Because when we were playing like, like Georgia Tech yeah. and people, yeah. you, yeah. it was okay. I mean, yeah. same with like Lad McConkey, like someone like that. If you're playing Tech, you know, someone that you're not yeah. really afraid of them doing something, you're like, okay. And I, I mean, and I think Lad, the thing is too, like you're talking about Aaron Smith and Don Blaylock. Like, there's a lot of interchangeable pieces. While he may be the better. Uh, more polished of those three, like any one of those guys, like I'm hoping we don't rotate as much this year and we tar- start start targeting more receivers, like fewer receivers more. Um, yeah. you, you know, they're saying it's going to happen because a lot of people try to say it was a Cortez Hankton thing. I don't know. We'll see this year. Yeah, yeah and, and I know. And that's why I'm just like, okay, I, I you guys are blaming Hankton, but is it? I don't know. Either way, if that's the case, like – McConkey has his work cut out to you know hold hold on to that position. Say that was the case that even if we don't target like one or two guys all the targets, I still don't think we're going to go three deep rotation wise as we may have gone in the past. And that's that's a good point. I didn't really consider that. We do rotate more of that position than we do it. We don't rotate at all at safety if there's unless somebody's hurt. Like we, I guess you say we could bring in somebody in the dime package. But that's a, that's a substitution package. That's not like a rotation. So that's a fair point. I'm open to the idea that Chris Smith might be more valuable player, especially considering how young and experienced we are in defense. I'm, I don't think that's a bad, I think that's a good argument. Actually. I just think Lad's a better football player. And I can't argue against that. I think Lad McConkey is. A he was better productive football player. last year. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I, and I, I think that's yeah, I think that's so. very very fair, and I and I don't argue against that at all because I, I agree. Like, I know they're different positions, but I think he is a better overall football player. What he does, yeah. what Chris Smith does. Yeah, I think he's a better athlete. I think he's more versatile. I just I love. I mean, look, I love Chris Smith too. I, I just think Lad is. I think he is a flat out weapon on offense, and I'm very excited to see how we're going to find ways. We, we saw a little bit of it, little glimpses of it last year, but I think he's going to be more of a. I don't. It's hard to say feature piece of our offense. You still got Brock Bowers. You got Kenny McIntosh. You got Ad Mitchell. But I think he's going to be a big part of what we do offensively. I'm very excited to see what Todd Monk is able to dial up with him now. Getting, I, I would say, a lot more looks. I mean, he still had 31 catches, four 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 forty seven last year. And I think we're talking about a guy that could put up six seven hundred yards easy, another hundred or so on the ground. So yeah, I think he's a very 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 valuable piece. Can, can play inside, can play outside, can get involved in the jet sweep game, can do a lot of stuff for us there. But uh, yeah, like I said, we're kind of splitting hairs there. All right, Kurt. Before we get out of here, just a couple quick things I want to run through. So we uh, we each had ten guys on our list, and I I don't know about you, Curtis. I agonized over my list. Like I was like, oh my god, how can I possibly leave this guy off? Oh my god, the listeners gonna kill me. They're gonna call me an idiot because I am an idiot. It's whatever. So let's talk about some snubs here, Curtis. There's always gonna be somebody you snub. So who are the biggest snubs that did not make either one of our list? Ooh, either one. Um, I, you know, someone that's – I think you have to start with Stetson Bennett, um, realistically. Yes, I think yes, that's going to yes. be the first guy a lot oh, of whoa, whoa, Did you up. say that? Well, I mean, I, I, I even consider putting him – I even consider putting him, you know, in the 7 to 10 range. So did I. Um, so did you I. Know, I don't think he's – I don't think he's one of the top players, no. Yeah. Um. But I, I easily could have seen a strong argument for him to be Production somewhere. wise he was really, really good, Curtis. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I, I easily can see an argument to get him in there. Mm-hmm. And someone may put a compelling argument, and I can't argue against it. I think you easily could have. Um, I just came down to really just looking at some of these young players and expecting them to take the next step for a lot yeah. of these positions or, like, players getting healthy, like Kieris yeah. and stuff. Stetson, I mean, I – I really wanted to put him on my list, but I felt like half our listener base have a, a collective aneurysm, and that would that would not be good. We don't want to do that. We don't want to kill anybody. So, but I, I think you can make a really strong argument. I agree with you. What about Robert Beal? Sack you know, from last year. It's so hard for me. It just still blows my mind when we say sack leader because I know I feel like some of you know he had some big time sacks, but I felt like some of them too were also in garbage duty. So like he got like a good mixture of like the ones he racked up in garbage duty, and then coming in and get more opportunities and make some, some more good plays things for us. Though, he, oh no, it, exactly. Like he he benefited from like where he was able to build a more a, a better rounded number, and he stayed healthy, yeah. which was a huge thing. Um, but my person, my you know, building off that, another snub for me is Cedric Van Pran because yeah, I think that guy is too. actually yeah. one of the best centers in the league. Okay, Curtis, here's why I didn't put SVP on there. I think he's going to be. Like, if we did this list at the end of the year, I think he's going to be on the yep. list. But I agree. There were times last year where he was not physical enough. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call it how I see it. He was really good at no, times. No, you're, you're right. Like, yeah. you, you saw the athleticism, but you also saw times where he was missing some blocks. And, like, sometimes. And, I think he, and I think he benefited by having Warren Erickson next to him because he was still young at that position mm-hmm. um, with the, uh, you know, calling the line. Um, but I'm with you. I think coming into the year, I could easily see him being on the list. What about Kendall Milton? I guess the, it's the gap Kendall Milton. I actually, I actually big. wanted to, put, I wanted to put him on the list, but uh, you know, he's one of these players I really need to see stay healthy. That's the thing. I just, I want to see more sustainability from him because I think yeah. he's got the skills and the talent. I just, if I'm basing this off past performance, I just don't think I've seen enough from him yet to say, oh yeah, one of the top ten players. But 
if we're again if we're doing this at the end of the year, very likely I'm very strong likely Kendall Milk could find his way on this list for sure. Yeah, it would not I agree. Me at all. I agree. All right. So last question here, real quick. I'll get you out of here. Who is going to be on this list at the end of the season that is not on there now? Some, some, some of the names we mentioned. What about a guy, a guy like Tate Ratledge? Tate Ratledge, boom. I think you, that's that's who you got to go with because, you know, we've, we've brought it up. He was the best line. You know, rumors had it best lineman last year. If he can come in and be healthy and be, play up to who he was last year, I think he, yeah. Broderick Jones, all those guys, I think he's actually our best lineman. And maybe one of the inside linebackers, maybe it's Pop, maybe it's yeah, Smale Pop, Smale, Um, you could Dion Logan on the defensive line potentially, yeah, or Tyrion Ingram Dawkins at yes, that five, five tech. There's, yeah. in, you know, there's so many Michael Williams, yeah, Michael Williams. Um, you could even see, you know, Arian Smith go off and have like 500 yards with big play capability. Like, there's just so many people it could be. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's Tyke Smith. Maybe a true freshman like Branson Robinson becomes that kind of guy. Maybe a true freshman like Jalen Walker on the defensive side of the ball. There are a ton of names that could be on the list at the end of the year, but that's going back to what I said at the beginning of the episode. I wasn't basing my list so much on the could as I was on what I have actually already seen to this point in their careers. But hey, it's a fun debate, and I'm sure a lot of you guys out there are disagreeing with what we're saying, and you would have an entirely different list, and that's a beautiful thing. Let us know what we got right, what we got wrong, what is your list, who are your top 10 players. Hit us up on social media. You can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. You can find us at Glory UGA Podcast on Instagram. You can also email us, and that's Glory UGA Podcast at gmail.com. Again, there you go. Loaded up on cold medicine. Brain not working. Almost forgot our email address. It's a very, very simple email address. So thank you guys for listening here. It's a lot of fun just talking some football, going through some different players. And I think we'll have to do this again at the end of the season. When everything's all said and done at the end of the year, we'll go back, look at this list, and do our postseason top 10 players on the 2022 Georgia football roster. And you guys can disagree with that one as well. But thank you guys for being here. Always appreciate it. We made it. Got through it. But uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>